0: Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brandon Lindell, Executive Ministry Pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, we are jumping back into our series on Acts. We're in a series called Power Today. And how many of you have loved the series so far and the book of Acts? So good. And it's been awesome as a church as we've been learning and diving into the need for us as believers to be full of the Holy Spirit, to be full of the power of the Lord wherever we go. So we're bold to share Christ with anybody at any time, anywhere, and we have power to bring to the lives of people. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, when talking, he writes, I didn't just come with you, to you with words. I came with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. People that need Jesus don't just need talk. They need a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You bring power into a situation, the power of the Lord, it wakes people up to the reality of who God is, that there's a God in heaven and that he loves them and he's interacting with the lives of people. And that's what we've been talking about all through the book of Acts. And what's cool is the book of Acts isn't over. There's no formal ending to the book of Acts. It's still going today. God is still filling people full of his Holy Spirit today. God is still touching people with his power today. And God wants to use you, and God wants to use me. And so we need to be ready and full of the Holy Spirit. And we're picking up Acts in Acts chapter 14. We left off in the middle of the chapter. We saw Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey The church at Antioch in Syria had sent them out, and we'll put a little map up on the screen so you can see where they've gone. They left here at Antioch in Syria, sailed to Cyprus, and then went up to Perga, and then they went to Antioch-Posida. It's a different Antioch uh, up up in this area of Galatia. Then they faced opposition there, so they ended up going to Iconium. In Iconium, they threatened, they heard about a plot where they were going to be stoned, uh, which means they were going to be executed, And so they thought it'd probably be a good idea to leave. And so they did and went to Lystra and they're sharing the gospel in Lystra. And that's where we pick it up. And last time we saw Paul was preaching and as he's preaching, he has a word of knowledge. That's where the Lord drops something in somebody's heart that you could not know any other way that God had put in the heart of somebody faith for them to be healed. This was a man who had been lame from birth. He was unable to walk. Luke makes it so clear that this guy had never walked and had been lamed from birth because it illustrates the power of God in somebody's life when he's healing, what God is able to do. And that's where we pick it up in Acts chapter 14 because Paul looks at the man as he's preaching and saw that he had the faith to be healed and said in the name of Jesus, get up right in the middle of his sermon. And the guy gets up right there. Well, that sets off a turn of events that we're going to pick up and we're going to learn how to effectively reach people through what we see. How many of you say, you know what? I believe God's called me to reach people and I want to be more effective at that. Anybody in this place believe that God's put his hand on your life to reach people and you want to be more effective? You know, that's good because we can do everything better in heaven except reach the lost. We can worship better in heaven. We can know God better in heaven. We can know who God created us to be better in heaven. But we cannot reach the lost better in heaven. In fact, the reason that you're on this planet, the reason there is breath in your lungs, the reason that your heart is beating and that you have a brain to think and eyes to see is because God has put you here to reach the lost. And we want to do everything we can to be as effective as possible. So I'm going to give you three basic principles on being effective to reach the lost, how to be effective. The first is be flexible, be flexible. And now that might be not what you expect. And I'm not talking about as, hey, if the Lord puts it on your heart, to go share your faith with somebody. I'm not saying, you know, do some high knees before you do, you know, get warmed up, all right, you know, kind of shake it off. I'm not talking about that kind of flexibility. And I don't know about you, but if I was asked to touch my toes right now, I could do it, but it would be hard, all right? (laughs) So thank the Lord we don't have to be that kind of flexible to reach the lost. But Paul demonstrates a flexibility in this passage that I think is some critical For every single believer, as we share our faith, as we're put in environments where people don't know Jesus, where people may be opposed to the word of God or be opposed to the gospel, that we demonstrate a flexibility under the power of the Holy Spirit to respond. Look at what happens in Acts chapter 14. So Paul sees this guy. He says, in the name of Jesus, get up. It's a powerful healing Watch what happens. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Now, what they're saying is only God could do this. This is a supernatural thing. It's blowing their mind. But then watch what happens. Barnabas, they called Zeus and Paul, they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker and the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds to Paul and Barnabas. All right, I don't think that's what they expected to happen when Paul was preaching his sermon, all right? I think that was a little bit of a turn that they probably didn't anticipate. You know, okay, you know, God's gonna move. They, he believes, oh, God wants to heal that guy. God heals them, and all of a sudden, rather, you know, everybody's freaking out. I think it's interesting to note this, uh, that they, they're saying in Lyconian, Paul and Barnabas wouldn't understand Lyconian. They would have been preaching in Greek, all right? They're talking in Greek. The people would have understood Greek. Greek was a common language of the day. But when this amazing healing happens, they all start shouting in Lyconian, and Paul and Barnabas don't even know what's happening. So they're getting a big ox out. They're putting garland on their neck. Paul and Barnabas are probably thinking, man, the gospel is getting great traction here. This is going really well until they start wanting to offer sacrifices to them. And they're like, okay, hold on a minute. This isn't good. And I want to show you that in this moment, it's so critical what they do and how we respond to people when we share our faith and it doesn't go as expected. That flexibility by the power of the Holy Spirit can bring the gospel to people even in a situation like that. You might have seen... Like walked in and been like, okay, they don't get it. All right. Paul might at Barnabas could have been like, this is not what we wanted. This is not what we expected. They don't get it. This is a huge misunderstanding. And they kind of be like, man, we need to reset before we keep going. But Paul takes this moment and ends up sharing the gospel with these people. And he uses the moment to say, you know what? These, These gods, we're humans just like you. And the gods you're worshiping, they're not gods at all. In fact, there is one God, and he is good. And everything that you attribute to them and more is from him. In fact, if you're like, well, how do we not know about him? You know what? He's given you a witness. He reigns on the righteous and the unrighteous. He's a God of love. He's a God of compassion. And Paul uses God's kindness to bring people to repentance. You know, maybe you've tried to share your faith, or maybe you even felt like God told you to go talk to somebody. And this very issue of flexibility is kind of what holds you back. Because you're like, well, what if they say this? What if they bring up some argument that I don't know how to respond to? What if they respond antagonistically? What if they say, you know, like, something like, you know, have you ever shared your faith with somebody? And they're like, you know, I get really good vibes by what you're saying. You know, I also believe in spiritual things. And, uh, you know, I'm so thankful for the universe That that the universe has been good to me, or I believe in good luck, or whatever that is, that doesn't make them a bad person. That is not true. That is not the gospel. But if you are afraid when that moment happens, if you're saying, God, I'm not sure what to do in those moments, I get thrown off, or maybe even frustrated by people and how they respond to you, you've been frustrated before. I wanna encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to say, God, I'm ready to be flexible. God, I'm ready. God, I pray that when you put me in those situations, I'd just be ready to respond. You know, if you respond in love and you just share the truth, you don't have to have all the answers for God to use you. You don't have to know how it's all going to turn out for God to use you. You know, oftentimes we can feel such a pressure to be like, man, unless I walk them in the steps of salvation, unless we say the sinner's prayer right there, then maybe I wasn't effective. But you have to know. God is using you to plant seeds in somebody's life that will reap a harvest for the gospel. You have to know that as you rely on the Holy Spirit, he's going to use you to make a massive difference for the kingdom. If you say, God, you just put me in. I'm ready to be obedient. I'm ready to be flexible. I know you're going to use me. You know, a great story, I think, that illustrates this so well is on Wednesday, we were having our college book study with James River College, which is awesome. And in that time, we were talking about um, being about the father's business and being ready to be led, being obedient when God speaks to you to step out in faith. And I was telling some stories about times that God has led me to pray for people or different things. And Pastor Clint Wells, who is our family ministry pastor, came up to me afterwards. And he's like, man, I feel feel like I have a great story about this. This God really, I felt like, used me in a cool way. And I, I was like, "Okay, tell me about it. And he's like, I went I felt like God wanted me to go to a gas station and pray for somebody. But now he didn't know who he was supposed to pray for. He just felt like he was supposed to go to a certain gas station and and pray for somebody. So he decided, I'll do what the Lord's asking me to do. Went to this gas station. And as he's sitting there, he's kind of looking around, being like, who should I pray for? Who's God leading me to? And a group of bikers come up, tough bikers, pull into the gas station. And so he goes up to one of the bikers, you know. And he's kind of feeling a little nervous. And he says, hey, uh, hey, I I felt like God led me here to pray for somebody. And I thought it might be you. And so can I pray for you on anything? And the guy goes, well, I respect that you're doing that. But that's not my thing. And no, you can't pray for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay." Um, And so he got back in his car and he left. And as he was leaving, he felt like the Lord said, hey, I led you there to pray for somebody. So if you leave. You didn't pray for anybody, so you're being disobedient. And the Holy Spirit, that's a gentle way, not a condemning way. So Clint's like, well, I don't want to be disobedient. So he goes back to the gas station, and he sees a guy in his car, and he thought, well, maybe that's the one the Lord wants me to pray for. He goes up to the car and says, hey, I felt like the Lord is leading me here to pray for somebody. Can I pray for you? The guy had recently been in a terrible car wreck had gone through surgery, was in horrible back pain, but the car wreck brought him so close to death that he felt like God God had used it to speak to him, wanted to get his life back right with God, had started recently going to church. Clint was able to pray for him and pray that he would be healed, and God really used that interaction to speak to that guy of his love. The guy was so impacted. He was crying in the moment. God really used the moment. That's the power of being flexible and saying, God, I'm ready wherever you lead me to go follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I tell you that story because maybe God's led you sometime, to, hey, I want you to go talk to that person. And they responded so negatively to you. Or maybe God's led you and you're like, man, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't seem like this was very smooth or this worked out the way I thought it would. Don't be discouraged. Say, God, I know you're working in this, God, and I'm ready to be flexible. If somebody responds, you might have a conversation that sparks faith in their heart. Think of that guy that he said, I'm gonna, I wanna pray for you. And that guy's like, I'm not interested in you praying for me, and I don't need that. I'm not into that. But think, you know, the Lord might have spoken to that guy that morning and said, Hey, I'm working in your life. And that guy said, God, if you're working in my life, then you, yeah, I just need you to show me. Clint comes up to him, says, Hey, I need to pray. For, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. He says, No, I don't wanna have anything to do with that. Then God speaks to that guy's heart right after that and says, hey, you prayed this morning that you wanted me to work in your life and I sent that guy to pray for you. That's how the Holy Spirit works. In fact, the Holy Spirit is a master at flexibility. He's able to use the situations of people's life. He's able to direct people's life. He's able to use the little things. In fact, even right now as I'm talking, you're here and you might be thinking, Like, Lord, you're doing this right now to me because God's brought you to this service to hear that He loves you, He cares about you, He's working in your life in this moment. He's speaking to you. God is able to use things in your life to speak to you by the power of His Holy Spirit. He's a master at it. I think of, we have men's conference. Every year, and we're so blessed at the men's conference. And one of the cool things about that is we're able to bring in different vendors, you know, who are able you know, like like Professor Splash. If you remember him with the guy who jumped 28 feet into 10 inches of water or the monster truck driver or different people who are part of the conference. And some of these people don't know the Lord. And if we pray God bring the right people in because it's an opportunity for them to come to know Jesus. And this uh, one one men's conference a while back. Uh, had the opportunity to talk to one of these vendors after the conference, and he was so pumped up. He's like, oh, I love this. This is so great. This is one of the best events I've ever been a part of. He's like, I I do different tours, and he'd been on tours. He was kind of naming all the people, like Godsmack and all these people that he'd been a part of, and he was just like, this is the best. you know? And you're like, that's awesome, man. And he's like, you know what? While that guy tonight was giving his speech, he's like, I heard, he was talking about the guy preaching. He's like, I heard my, his wife had passed away. I heard my wife who's passed away. She started talking to me. She started speaking to me. And she said, you need to listen to that guy. And I, he's like, I don't know why. He's like, I don't ever cry. He's like, I just started crying. Like, and I felt like she was talking to me. And, you know, as I'm listening to him, I'm thinking that's the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is using things in his past and things in his life and people that mean things to him and are special to him. To, say, to use a voice of love to speak to his heart, because that's how God works. God is able to take the details of our lives and weave them together. And we, when we're operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, if we're flexible to say, God, where you go, I'll lead. God, I want to follow you. God will use you powerfully to reach people. Amen. If you want to be effective at reaching people, you got to be flexible. Secondly, if you want to be effective to reach people, you got to fight the fight of the faith. You know, sometimes it is a fight to reach people. Sometimes it ain't easy to reach people. Sometimes you have to say, God, this is what I'm called to. God, I know you're leading me. God, when it's hard, I'm still going to keep going. That's exactly what we see in this passage with the Apostle Paul. Look at this. They get him to stop sacrificing to them. But then some people catch up with Paul from Iconium and Antioch. And watch what happens. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. Now, when we look at that, we're not, at modern times, we're not used to stoning. We're not as, as aware of what that would be like. This is not just like a bad day or just like a, a, a slight thing that's like, oh man, that would be hard. This was an execution, like mob style execution that would take place. And when they would stone people, they would take a person in the the Jewish Talmud and Mishnah would say they would take a person, they'd throw them off a ledge that was twice their height, so probably about 12 feet. And if the fall didn't kill them, then they would have somebody pick up a rock or two people pick up a large rock, something like this one, and they would throw that down from the ledge on their back in the middle of their chest. And if that didn't kill them, then they would just start to hurl rocks large rocks like this one at the person until they had internal bleeding, they were knocked unconscious, and then they died. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about here, the kind of trial that we're talking about here for the Apostle Paul, that he was dragged out, he was stoned. And these are people that they're not just stoning him and being like, man, I hope this works. These are people that some of them traveled it from Antioch. This would have been 115 miles. They would have traveled on foot to catch up with Paul. These are people that are angry. These are people that came to do something, uh, do a job, and they were going to make sure it got done right. And so you can imagine that this would have been a horrible situation for Paul when he was stoned. But something miraculous happens after he's stoned. We read this. But when the disciples had gathered about him, so they drag him out of the city. They suppose he's dead. They gather around him, most likely to pray for him. Then he gets up entered the city, and the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby. That would have been about 30 miles away on foot. All right, now, right now, you're probably thinking Paul is a boss, all right? And rightfully so, you might think that. But this really is a miracle because nobody could get up from that and then travel the next day. God touched his body. But I think one of the greater things that we need to notice when we want to be effective to reach people is they gathered about him, and he rose up, And he entered the city. He went back into the city. The same city that they just stoned him in. He went back in. You know what? If you want to be effective at reaching people, you have to be willing to fight the fight of faith. All right? You have to recognize that, hey, if I'm going to reach people for Jesus, there's an enemy that's against that. And there are going to be people who don't like that. And there are going to be people that come against me. And I have to be willing to get up Sometimes when I'm knocked down, get up again and fight the fight of faith. And I say that to you because some of you are in hostile work environments where you uh, and when I say hostile work environments, I mean, hostile towards Christianity, hostile towards believing in Jesus. Maybe that's even in your family. Your families, you're the only Christian in your family, and it's a hostile environment. Whenever you get together, you kind of dread getting together. You love seeing your family, but you dread the conversation that comes up, especially if it turns towards spiritual things, because it's not just, oh, I don't believe what you believe. It's a, oh, yeah, you're one of those Bible thumpers. You're one of those people that go to, go to church. All, why would you waste all your time doing that? Or if you bring up, hey you know, talking to people about their faith, they're like, I don't want to hear, I don't have anything. If you're going to do that here, then you can, you can be free to leave. It's a hostile environment. It's a place where, where maybe they're not physical rocks, but rocks are thrown at you when it comes to your faith. And for some of you, so many rocks have been thrown. You feel so beaten down that you've lost your fight. You've decided it's not worth it, that it's not for you, that, that you're not up for it, that you don't know if you can make it. You, don't, you know, Paul had to be dealing with all those thoughts and feelings. Yet he gets up again because he says, God, you've called me to this. You've called me to a people to reach. And God, I am going to fight the fight of faith. I am going to finish the work for which you've called me. You know, Paul's the one who wrote, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race and now is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. God has things he's called you to do. He's, he's put people in your life that he's called you to reach. But sometimes you have to say, God, I'm going to get my fight back. God, I've, I've kind of set back. I've allowed, I've allowed this workplace or I've allowed these people or that person to intimidate me, to shrink me back. But God, I'm going to get my fight back. And God, I'm doing what you've called me to do. And I'm not going to worry about what they say. God, you put me in here. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I want you to notice, though, what makes that possible for Paul. The disciples gathered about him. That means people came around. These might be new believers that he... That he was able to reach in Lystra. This might be believers that came over. Knew what was going to happen in previous towns he has been. This would be Barnabas coming around him. And they're saying, you know what? They gathered around him. And that gave him the strength to get up again. Yeah. For some of you, if you've lost your fight. You've so allowed the enemy to discourage you. So many rocks have come at you. That you step back and you said, you know what? I don't. You don't even. Being around faith filled people. Being around people that believe God, being around people that are fighting the battle actually uh, discourages you and intimidates you. And so you've decided to isolate yourself spiritually. And you're like, yeah, I go to church every once in a while and I'll come in and, and you know, worship or do my thing. But when it comes to fighting the fight of faith, you're so discouraged. You've had so many rocks thrown at you that you don't know if you can get up again. Let me tell you this. Isolating yourself will never get you out of that mindset. Isolating yourself will never cause you to get up again and go at it again. You need people around you who are full of faith, who love Jesus, who can encourage you. That's why things like life group are so important. You know what? Being a Christian and living for Jesus and fighting the fight of faith is not a do-it-yourself project. You need people around you who are full of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? You can't allow that to intimidate you. You can't allow that to be like, oh, I don't feel like I'm good enough or they're better Christians than me. And all the things that the enemy says, it's not true. It's not true. And the enemy's using that as a rock to discourage you and as a rock to tell you, you're hopeless. You'll never be good enough for God. You don't have what it takes. You're one of those people that doesn't really have faith. All those things the enemy tells you and you've lost your fight because you believed him and you need to stop believing the enemy. But that will only happen when you get people around you who can speak life into your life and say, no, I see what God has put in you and I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to push you and I'm going to sharpen you. You're going to fight the good fight of faith. You can Get your fight back, but it will not happen on your own. you got to get around people who are faithful and then you got to get up and go again. And you watch as you do that. It's not just for you. Oftentimes when people isolate themselves, they're like, why does it matter? It's just me. You know, like I I know it's not good, but I'm not really affecting any people. No, there are people that will come to know Jesus. If you say, God, I'm going to get my fight back because you've called me to this because you do that. Watch, Paul gets up again, and then they go to the next town. Look what happens. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. And God had worked miraculously, but you have to know Paul was like, God, I'm doing this because you've called me to it. Not always because he felt like it. And he's preaching the good news in Derby, making many disciples. See what happens when you say, God, I'm going to live for what you've called me to do. I'm going to live for your purpose, God. God, I'm going to be a person who reaches people. See what happens when you fight the battle. People come to know Jesus. You get to see fruit in your life. Your life has a testimony. And that can be the truth about your life. But you got to get your fight back. You got to fight the good fight of the faith. Finally, you got to be quick to forgive. If you want to be effective at reaching people, you got to be quick to forgive. They go. They're in Derby. Look at this. And when they had preached the gospel of that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations, we will enter the kingdom of God. Men, did Paul have some credibility to say that? What an encouragement to people. It's like, you know, you saw me. I was stoned. And now, uh, now I can encourage you that, you know what? God's going to help you no matter what you walk through. I love how this translation says it. Paul and Barnabas preached the good news to Derby and won many disciples. And then they went back. They went back. Do you know where they went back to? The place where he just was almost killed, where he was stoned. The place where nobody liked him. The place where people were being ugly to them. The place where people were saying all kinds of things about them. They went back. And it's because they know to be effective at reaching people, you have to be quick to forgive quick to forgive. You can't live, if you want to be effective at what God's called you to do, effective at reaching people, you have to be, not live with a wounded spirit, not live with a spirit of that says, and you know what they did to me, and I'm so angry, and, and I have a right to live this way. I have a right, you know, Paul could have very easily said, I have a right to not, love any single one of them and in fact I'm not even going back I'm not even going back on the mission I'm not going to Derby I'm not going anywhere I have a story to tell you know I went out there I loved people and they stoned me that's what a wounded spirit does but unless you forgive you really have nothing to give because when you don't forgive and you live with a wounded spirit it becomes all about you it becomes about man you know how does this affect me and 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 how do I, I'm looking at me and I'm, I'm, I'm focused on how, how people hurt me or what people said about me? You know what they said about me? Do you know what they did to me? And you'll you'll never be able to be effective in reaching people or doing what God has called you to do as long as you live with a bitter and wounded spirit. We go back to that other translation. It says, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Anarok. What did they do? They strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. They're encouraging them. They're strengthening them. They're breathing life into them. And it's because they said, you know what? I'm going to forgive. You got to know, as they were talking to these people, there were people in the crowd, people that they're preaching to, people that they're talking to, and they're like, you were the one. They could have very easily said, you were the one that said this. You were the one, I remember when you picked up a rock and threw it at me. I remember. But Paul doesn't do that. They say, you know what? If we're going to be effective, we're going to have to forgive. We're going to have to show the love of Jesus by displaying his heart to forgive and love people. Isn't that what Jesus did? The Bible says the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten. But he came to his own and they didn't recognize him, the Bible says. That means that God reaches out to people, constantly reaching out to people, constantly loving people, knocking at the door of people's hearts, saying, hey, you need this. I have a free gift of salvation for you. I love you. And people reject him and people curse him and people don't love him. And people say they don't need him. And yet he still is good to them. Yet he still is kind to them. Yet they wake up and the sun shines on their house just like everybody else. Yet they still have people come in their life who he leads to them to say, hey, I love you. I care about you. That's the kind of God we serve. But if you wanna represent his heart, you're never gonna be able to do it with that wounded, bitter spirit, the things you've allowed to stay. You know, we talked about family earlier, and I know we're going towards Thanksgiving, and, and you're thinking of, some, so many people think about being with family at Thanksgiving. a great time to be with family. But for some of you, your family has said such hurtful words to you that you've decided never to go back. Some of you have parents you don't talk to. And it's not because your parent hasn't been ugly to you or hasn't said things that really hurt you. And you've decided in the spirit of self-care, in the spirit of, you know, I need to be healthy, in the spirit of all those things. And, And those things aren't wrong in the sense that, you know, Putting good boundaries in place, but it doesn't give you the right to carry a bitter spirit. And for some of you, you're the only light that they have. And God's speaking to your heart right now and saying, you know what? It's time to let the bitterness go. It's time to look some people in the eye who didn't love you, look some people in the eye who hurt you, and have not a wounded spirit, but the kindness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. You know that will speak to them in such a powerful way. God will use you as you say, God, I'm going to be quick to forgive because I want to represent your heart. And you watch how God uses you as you say, God, I just want to be effective at reaching people for you. God, I'm going to be flexible, not frustrated. I'm going to fight the fight of the faith. I'm going to be quick to forgive. God will use you to reach people like never before. There will be more fruit in your life because you said, God, I'm all about what you have for me. I'm about being obedient. God will use you in a powerful way. Let's pray.